Welcome to Defeat PPD, where we empower women to overcome anxiety and depression and motherhood without medication. I'm Arielle Wozniak, and I'm a maternal mental wellness coach, and I will be leading you through this journey. Welcome to episode number 50. This is your host, Arielle Wozniak. And sorry, my voice is a little rough right now, but um, some of that will kind of be explained throughout this episode. Um, And today's episode is one that's going to be very different than previous episodes. Um, Today's episode is about anxiety as a friend. And I will be the first to tell you that had you told me, and you may hear my children in the background, but had you told me two years ago that I would at some point consider anxiety to not only be a good thing, but to be a friend, then I would have thought that you were crazy. Um, And the reason why is because I've over the past two years, really, or almost two years, Kyla will be two in just over a month, which is insane. Um, but over almost the past two years, I have been battling anxiety as if it were a foe. Um, and I think that's the right use of that word, but as if it were my enemy. And I'm here to tell you that I've recorded an episode before about anxiety being more of like a symptom of something and anxiety being something that is similar to hunger in a way that it wakes you up or tells you that there's something that's missing. But even still, I was not viewing it as a friend or really as someone who or something that could be like a partner or a guide for you. And over the past uh, two weeks or so, I've really come to know anxiety in that way. And so there's a difference between living an anxious life when you're just constantly on pins and needles and not really like knowing which way to turn or what to do or just fearing behind every corner. Anxiety in that respect, yes, it is still every bad thing that I've ever said about it. Um, But anxiety has a good side as well. Um, Anxiety can be something that really, like I said, is similar to hunger in that it just opens our eyes to something. And imagine going through life without the physical symptoms or even the mental symptoms of never eating. Imagine if you didn't have anything to tell you that you were hungry. Many of us would never eat if we weren't hungry. Um, And so that's in a way what an anxiety does. It points out something and says, hey, that's not right. That's not your, your equilibrium, your balance of where you should be. And then it's up to you to determine what you do to fix it or go in a different direction. But 
anxiety's job is to point those things out. And so I truly believe that's why God gave us this emotion of anxiety, not so that we can walk through life just being anxious and wondering what's around every corner and just being so fearful and frightened and not being able to enjoy life. No, that's when anxiety is brought to the extreme. But a a healthy dose of anxiety is something that is beneficial to all of us. Um, It's what saves you in that flight or fight or fight or flight. Um, So either to fight or to run away sort of thing. And it's something that um, is beneficial in the right dosage. It's when it is too much of it that it becomes bad or becomes what people would classify as a disorder or postpartum anxiety. That's when there's too much anxiety, but not that little healthy dose of anxiety that we all need in our lives. And there's a reason why we have it. So I want to just clarify the difference between the two. Like there's a difference between that healthy dose and living a life dictated by anxiety. Living a life dictated by anxiety is not what God wants for you. It's not what I want for you. Sure, it's not what you want for you. But then that healthy dose, we have to become friends with that. So let me take you back about two years to my birth story, which I've shared parts of this before. Um, And I have a new perspective on it today. So if you've heard my birth story before, it's going to sound different this time. So I, um, like I mentioned in previous episodes, was pretty impatient with waiting for the day that she'd be born. Um, She was due on the 29th. Sorry, that's my computer. Um, She was due on the 29th of June, 2018. But she was born on the 27th. Um, I actually went into labor on the 26th. And I believe it's because I drink something called Midwife's Brew. I'm not going to advise anyone to drink it. So I won't even tell you what it is, what's in it, any of that stuff. But talk to your your health provider about it and see what they say. Um, So anyway, I drank the Midwife's Brew. And shortly after that, I started to um, experience some labor pains, if you will, and um, actually have like my notes from way back when I wrote all that down. Um, But either way, long story short, I started to to go into labor, at least what it seemed like, excuse me, labor to me after drinking that. And so, let's see. Sorry, guys. All right. So I went into labor after having the midwife's brew. So I had that about like 8 20 to 9 10 in the morning, had some mild contractions, then started to get some more stomach pain around 10 45, um, 11 53, more painful contractions. And I went to my doctor's. Um, I was two centimeters and 0% effaced. Um, I don't know what that means right now, but look it up if you're interested. Um, but lots of lots of contractions and stomach pains. Um, around 3.30, I was three to four centimeters dilated and 90% effaced. And 
by then, um, so I had went back to my doctors and that's how I found that out. And he essentially said, go ahead, head to the hospital now. He is going to meet me there. So I went over to the hospital and labored for quite some time without any medication. And by the time I got to 8 p.m., now it's been almost 12 hours of this, um, I just couldn't bear the pain anymore by myself. Um, And so I did get an epidural. And then around 4.30 a.m., I was finally seven centimeters. And then it was around 4.50 that my waters ruptured. And then 6.20, I was complete. And at 7.06, Kyla was born. So almost 24 hours um, of labor pains and all of that good stuff. And during labor, so I shared that just so you have some background of kind of the things that were happening and the pain that I was going through. Um, But during labor, after I had gotten the epidural, they make you like lay down. So you can't get up and walk around anymore. And so um, I'm laying on the bed and just kind of like half asleep, half awake, not really sure. Um, But I had this pain in my face, on the left side of my face. And I said to the nurse, um, I said, is there any possibility that it was like a pain and a numbness, but I asked her if there was any possibility that the epidural had somehow traveled to my face and was causing it to feel this way. And she essentially said, no, that wasn't possible that if it had gotten to my face, it would have gotten to my heart first. And if it gotten to my heart, my heart would have stopped. I would not be talking right now. And so, yeah, not a possibility. Um, and so then my mind goes to like, well, maybe there's some sort of like medical issue that's happening, you know, like what's going on. Um, and I felt my face kind of like twitching, like the muscle in it was switching. And so I was asking her like, if she can see that twitch and she's like, nope, nothing's going on there. And so I just built up kind of this, this anxiety. And like, I was just really anxious about this whole process and just not sure what's going on in my body right now. Um, until finally, um, I get to the point where I'm having to push. And I've probably told this part of my story multiple times before, but I remember like looking into my doctor's eyes and telling him like, I can't do this anymore. And he looks right back at me and he's like, you have to. And I had to push. I had to bear down and do my best to just push her out and get it over with. And thankfully I did and everything worked out. She was healthy and they cleaned her up and brought her back to me and all that stuff. Um, and then of course go through the process of like her first bath and all that. And by this point, I'm just really exhausted. I hadn't really slept very well overnight because obviously I was in labor and in pain. And so I was just ready for some rest and I was, I was trying to go to sleep. I experienced this dizziness that I eventually came to think was a panic attack. Um, So I experienced this dizziness as I was trying to go to sleep and I brought it up to my nurse and she um, said that I had lost a lot of blood and that typically when people lose as much blood as I did, that their doctor would give them a transfusion, but my doctor decided not to. And so panic, of course, comes on. Um, and so she sends me back to my room and says that another nurse will come in to kind of check my vitals and make sure everything's okay. So the other nurse comes in, she checks everything. She's like, I mean, everything's fine. Um, but do you feel anxious? And I'm like, yes, like I absolutely feel anxious. I'm very worried. My heart's beating really fast. 
And so she wants to give me an assessment that um, I believe is called the Edinburgh's assessment um, for postnatal depression. And so she gives me that assessment and I don't remember my exact score, but either way, she essentially says like, well, based on this assessment, maybe it was postpartum anxiety and um, you just had a panic attack. And I didn't really know what a panic attack was or what that meant. Um, but over the next coming like few days, I got very familiar with the term panic attack and had what I assumed to be several panic attacks um, and just experienced these like intense bouts of anxiety and very intense bouts of dizziness. And it was just, it was a mess. Honestly, I was a mess. Wasn't sleeping very much. And got to the point of just being so wound up and so anxious that I just, I couldn't really operate. And that's what really brought me down the road of postpartum anxiety and getting help in different ways, seeing therapists, um, seeing psychiatrists and all of those things. And it was, it was very... It was very dark, very dark days. Um, and I thankfully got through all of that and got to the other side. And then I eventually like returned to work and all those things. And there was one day when I was at work um, that I was eating my lunch and speaking with someone. And I had this really intense episode of dizziness or vertigo or whatever you'd call it. And so um, I told one of my coworkers who happened to be standing by that, hey, like the room is spinning. I can't really get my balance. You know, can you call for help? And so she called 911, ambulance comes. Um, by the time they got there, I was already done with the episode of vertigo and it was over with. Um, but they wanted to take me to the hospital, kind of get me checked out. They asked if I had experienced anything like this before. And I was like, Yes and no. I mean, before it was like anxiety and now like I wasn't anxious, so I'm not really sure. Um, and so I go to the hospital, they check me out there, nothing's wrong. Um, eventually I end up getting some sort of CT scan. Again, nothing is wrong, like they can't really find any issues, and so chalks it up to possibly being like anxiety again. And so I'm just kind of in this stage of feeling very anxious and like, why does anxiety keep coming back to me and haunting me? And why am I going through all of this stuff? And again, some months pass, it all goes away. Everything's fine. Until recently when I had another episode of vertigo. This time I knew for sure that I had not been extremely anxious. I was not any more anxious than possibly some other days. Um, and so this led me down a road of research. Um, and I'll back up a little bit here just to point out some other things that happened um, kind of in the first couple of weeks of Kyla's life. Um, I had this really intense ringing in my ears, which I've shared that before as being a symptom of anxiety. Um, but I had intense ringing in my ears. I had pressure in my ears. Um, I was constantly feeling like I had to pop it, but wouldn't pop. Um, at one point, I was having like jaw pain and not really able to eat regular food. So I was on like a liquid and soft foods only diet for a while. 
Um, I've had the floaters in my eyes, which again, I've sent, um, I've connected that with anxiety and just these little symptoms all combined together that really had me very fearful of losing my sight and hearing. Um, and so that was a big part of the postpartum anxiety and the first couple of weeks of Kyla's life. And even further after her first month, second month, third month, um, experiencing these sorts of things. So back to the present day, I get that episode of vertigo and my kids are coming upstairs. So you might hear them even louder now. Um, but I get that episode of vertigo and I'm just really like at the point of, I have to, to do something. I have to change something. I've got to figure out what's going on here. And in 2019, when I had that ear pressure, I, I went to an ENT because I was trying to figure out all of these issues. So I went to an ENT for the ear stuff um, and for the jaw stuff. also went to an ophthalmologist for the eye stuff, the floaters and a specialist and all that stuff. And essentially none of them could find like major things wrong. Um, but the ENT did refer me to uh, a surgeon and he diagnosed me with something called TMJ. The thing about it is, though, he diagnosed me with it and told me that was the reason for my ear pressure, but didn't tell me anything else about TMJ or any other symptoms that might happen because of TMJ. So I go about my life. Everything's kind of just in a, a normal phase until recently when that happens again. And for whatever reason, well, not for whatever reason, I keep forgetting this. I had a root canal just a couple of weeks ago and was starting to have jaw pain again. And so I made the connection between like TMJ and the root canal. And so I kind of put those two together and I was like, oh, okay. So maybe the reason why I'm experiencing so much pain, more pain than what they said it would be for a root canal is because of the TMJ. And in that research, I find that TMJ has to do with vertigo, um, episodes of dizziness, um, pressure behind your eyes, which can lead to you seeing floaters or flashes of light, um, the ringing in your ears, fullness, like all of those things that I've been experiencing for the past two years or almost two years have roots in TMJ. And yes, they have roots in anxiety. So if you're experiencing those things, it may be anxiety. Um, but all of the anxiety for me came after the symptoms. So if you recall, I talked about during labor, feeling that like numbness or pain in my jaw on the left-hand side. And that's kind of what sparked anxiety. And I was like thinking that it could be a stroke or something. And that's where the anxiety came in. And then the dizziness spawned more anxiety and spawned panic. And then the ringing in the ears spawned anxiety, the floaters in my eyes, again, anxiety, all of these things that were happening in my body created or made room really, because it was my choice how I respond, but they made room for anxiety. All of these symptoms made room for anxiety. And so what I found out is that I wasn't necessarily anxious until 
all of this came about. And the interesting thing is, is that yes, I, I created the room for this in my own impatience and all those things. Um, but I think about like, what if I had not taken the midwife's brew? What if God had a plan for me to have this really short and easy labor and it never would have involved TMJ? Um, TMJ is something that, excuse me, can come about a lot of different ways, can be injuries. Um, It can be uh, from like the bearing down that I was doing. It can be from grinding your teeth. Um, It can come away a lot. It can come about a lot of different ways. My intense episodes spawned from intense stress. And so that stress of labor and all of that is really what brought up brought about me like clenching my teeth as hard as I could and bearing down like that. And that's when the symptoms of TMJ came about. Um, everything that like in the research that I found and also with visiting um, a, t- a dentist who specialized in the TMJ is that likely it was there before it was present previously. And it probably came for me um, either through Uh, my orthodontic work that I had done before or a tooth that I had pulled before. Um, And so not keeping up with that orthodontic work shifted things and my bite just kind of got off and all those things or even the tooth pull in my bite getting off um, created this TMJ, but it wasn't really like pronounced or I didn't really experience like pain because of it or it didn't interfere with my life. And so I never got it diagnosed until it started to interfere with my life after childbirth. Um, And so really anxiety for me was a signal. It started off as something healthy. It was a small dosage that was just telling me, hey, something's not right. It just alerted me that this jaw pain that I was experiencing was outside of my normal. And then when I did not get a response to it is when the anxiety started to build and it got to be greater and greater and greater until it became what someone might classify as a disorder or as postpartum anxiety. So I'm now kind of on the road to figuring out what path I'm taking to recover from all of this. Um, But it is interesting to think about all the ways that this has impacted my life. And also, I honestly can't help but wonder, like, if I would have just been patient, would I have dealt with any of this? If I would not have tried to take control of the situation and take it into my hands, would I be dealing with any of this right now? Um, And honestly, I mean, I don't know the answer to that, obviously, because I don't have the power to see different paths of what life could have been. But it is interesting to me that my controlling, my desire to control was a conduit for all of this. Like it was a part of the sparking of postpartum anxiety. And it's it's good to to have a diagnosis and to now know like all of these things that I've been experiencing weren't necessarily anxiety. The anxiety was the small thing in the beginning that kind of created this need for me to search for what was wrong. Um, 
<clears throat> and I'll probably go back and revisit previous episodes now as I'm kind of talking that through. Um, one of my episodes, like to stop searching for solutions or get off of Dr. Google and stuff, which I still think, <clears throat> excuse me, that Dr. Google is not the way to go. Um, it's definitely better to contact a physician and heed their advice. Um, they've gone to school for it and have just more truth-based approaches than anyone putting anything online. So um, <clears throat> it's just, it's been a, a very interesting season for me to go through this and now know that all this time, anxiety was trying to point out something to me that needed some resolution. Anxiety wasn't initially there to cause this huge interruption to my life. And so I, I hope what this episode encourages you to do is to look at anxiety in your life and look at the things that are maybe off kilter, things that are not at equilibrium, things that are not balanced in your life. And that might be some physical health issue, but it also might be something mentally or something that's stressing you out, those sort of things. Like anxiety comes about for a reason. And that little healthy dose is good. It's good to point out what needs to be changed. But the problem exists when there's too much anxiety, when you give over your power completely to anxiety. And even in a situation where it is something that's health-related, like taking my situation, um, <clears throat> I could still allow anxiety to get out of control. Now knowing what the diagnosis is and why I've been experiencing all of these issues, I could still start to project out into the future and think, okay, so now these floaters are not anxiety related. Maybe they are something that will cause me to go blind. And this ear pressure or ringing in my ears is not anxiety related. Maybe it is something that will cause me to go deaf. And trust me, I am well aware that I can go down those roads and doing the best in my own strength, and then tapping into the Holy Spirit uh, to give me strength is all that I can do. I don't know what the future holds. And for someone who is a recovering control addict, that is difficult. Um, I'm sure you can all relate, regardless of where you are right now in life, with not knowing about the future and having some sense of like, I don't know, like what... What's the right decision? What's the right path? Those sort of things. Like we've always, we've all experienced those little feelings. And then we have the choice to make to hand it over to God and just keep walking forward and following Him and what He's calling you to do, or to try to, try to take control into your own hands and figure things out and resolve them and, and just manipulate situations into what you're looking for. And I just hope that I encourage you to give those things over to God, just like I'm giving over TMJ and whatever that means for my future to God, and to instead be comfortable with being a little bit uncomfortable and be comfortable with living with a certain level of uncertainty. The truth is that we all have to live with uncertainty. No matter how hard we try to control any and every situation, we just aren't that powerful. We don't know what tomorrow holds. 
We don't even know what the next few minutes holds. We can make great plans, but that doesn't mean they're going to come to pass. So get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Get comfortable with living with that certain level of uncertainty and tap into the strength that the Holy Spirit gives you. Tap into that power. Focus your energy there. And again, my big takeaway from all of this experience is that anxiety is not necessarily something that's all bad. It's an emotion and it's something that comes about to, to signal something for us. And then what we do with that small signal determines how anxiety will play out in our lives and if we'll allow it to have some sort of stronghold on us. And then you have to go back to Paul in Philippians and and his saying of be anxious for nothing. And he's talking about living a life filled with anxiety, not just that healthy dose of anxiety, but living anxiously, living with an anxious presence. None of us should have that. But when you get some small hint of anxiety that something is off, check into it, trust God, and move forward. But that's it. Anxiety is not all bad. Well, I hope that this episode in some way encourages you, helps you along your along your journey, or one of the two, maybe both. Um, if this was helpful, please do subscribe. And as always, you can reach out to me at info, I-N-F-O, at defeatppd.com. And I'll see you on the next episode. Bye.